nowadays the generation I, it's good that we are more opinionated <laughs> in a sense like we we like to do what we love mm. and we find money is no longer the f- number one drive anymore it's the passion what we find meaningful mm. what makes us wake up excited for the day in the morning mm. we are very blessed to be able to have this kind of options to to pursue what we, we, we like and what we love do you think any of your previous career actually prepared you for that? Probably not. (laughs) You're listening to the Building Financial Fitness Podcast, the show where personal finance is about the person, not just the numbers. Here on BFF, we talk about how to make money your best friend so that you can have the freedom to make the most out of life. We go through the honest discussions about money so that you don't need to make the same mistakes. We demystify jargon so that no one can smoke you with complicated acronyms. After all, money's greatest value is to give us control over our time, which is truly our greatest asset. I'm your host, Junus Yu. Hi everyone and welcome back to the BFF Podcast. Today we have a very special show and we have a very special guest with us, Vera. Hello Vera. Hi everyone. So Vera leads a very exciting double life as a personal trainer. But outside of that, she also works as a professional dominatrix. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Thanks, Janice. Thanks for having me here. Thank you so much for being on the show. (laughs) So um, actually, I I do have a main job being self-employed. So I used to be a personal trainer before I moved on to being a pro-dom. Mm. Uh, program is just something that I enjoy and I find passion in. It's very fun. And there's a lot of um, myths that I got to discover myself as well that is not actually quite different. Like the perspective of the BDSM is actually quite different from um, the public perspective. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a lot of depth to it and I enjoy it. So that's what my double life is about right now. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, how you and your friends, because you all are passionate about this space, how do you all get mm-hmm. together to start doing this? Mm, yes, so four of us, we are actually very close friends and we um, have an interest in the King community and BDSM in particular. Mm-hmm. So we feel that there's a lot of myths that we need to debunk and um, there's a lot of uh, societal norms that is against BDSM. So we feel that we could contribute to the King community by educating and debunking this kind of myths and norms. Got it. So what are the myths, you know, that you would like to see debunked? Because I guess there are a lot of, like you said, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of preconceived notions and there is a lot of, I guess, lack of education in the larger society. So what are the key ones that you would like to see debunked? Um, I guess some of them is like pre-perceived gender roles Mm -hmm. and a lot of myths involve like thinking that BDSM is perverse or violent, mm. which is not true. Mm. Um, everything that we do is safe, sane and consensual. For example, I might be the person holding the power because I'm the dominatrix, but it doesn't mean that my sub is not in power as well because he's the one who gave the power to me mm. to do whatever he wants me to do to him. Mm. So there's... This exchange of power is can be something very intimate and powerful mm. and meaningful as well. Yeah, so that is one of them. Um, 
BDSM is also not exactly just pervertic. Uh, it can be very healing mm -hmm. for some people and it can be a safe space for them to explore parts of them that they want to explore and not feel bad about themselves. Mm. Mm. I love what you said on safe space because when I was right. reading up on the topic and also the great blog articles that you guys share, for you guys to do this, you need a heightened sense of empathy to be able to provide that safe space. And, you know, like we were discussing earlier, empathy is something that sometimes I think is lacking in some organizations or in some, you know, some careers or some job roles. Yeah, I agree. So, of course, in our day-to-day -day lives, we experience lots of stress, probably from our day jobs as well. Um, there are a lot of subs that comes to us from extremely stressful jobs. Mm -hmm. They might be from a very high position in the company and they are usually the dominant one. Mm. They just want to unshackle that kind of responsibility and be vulnerable. Mm. And that's where we come in and we try to be more empathetic and try to take care of them in that way mm. so that they can do, they can just be themselves for once, you know. Yeah, whereas some of other subs, um, they might experience some kind of um, trauma in the past or they might feel bad about themselves for wanting to try something. Mm. That's where we will empathize with them and tell them it's okay. We can, tr we can try everything you want mm. as long as it's safe and within both of our limits. Got it. Mm. And just with that, right, there is a lot of hard work that's being put into this craft right because like you mentioned it is not just about you know ensuring the physical aspects which is a process in itself which you can tell us a little bit more about later but it's also about the mental and emotional aspects right like really understanding the person yeah so let's start off with let's say the easier things which is the physical aspect can you just walk us through the prep process the prep process. Okay, we screen our subs, potential subs, very strictly, mm. um, depending on their interest, because um, some of them might not be here for the same reason. Mm. So we have to screen them very properly and choose very selectively. We'll try to understand um, what kind of kings they are looking for and what other things that they struggle with, what other things they would like to try mm. and make them feel more comfortable because this is not a transactional thing, you know. Mm. We can always come and have a session, but it doesn't really reach a certain level of intimacy, mental mm. intimacy, if we don't try to get to know this, this person and what they are actually looking for. Mm. So we will plan and curate a session. Every session is different. Mm -hmm. We'll curate a session that's specific to this person's needs and make sure the whole session flows smoothly. Mm. Mm. So beyond the very rigorous process of screening and you know understanding where they are coming from, and, you know, understanding the boundaries. What are the other aspects of prep work that needs to be done? On the outside, of course, we have to make sure all the session, you know, flows smoothly. But actually, before that, mm. we have to discuss what kind of flow that we want to plan for our sub, this particular sub. Mm. And we will have to make sure that everything flows uh, in terms of logistics as well. We don't want to be struggling like, oh, when I need this thing, <laughs> I can't find it. Or when I need that thing, I can't find it. And mm. every aspect has to be well-balanced. Mm -hmm. It's not just about pain. Sometimes it can be a bit of degradation, a bit of restraints, a bit of impact play, a bit of here and there mm. to make sure everything flows smoothly. Uh, at the same time, for me personally, I like to maintain this constant tension. Mm. So everything has to be planned very perfectly 
before the sub even enters the room mm. so that there won't be any mishap or I can maintain this constant tension throughout for mm. the for them to enter this safe space. But then getting them into that zone. Yeah, correct. If, getting them into that zone is tough. Yeah, it's tough because like you said, if it's sustained tension, yes, that is actually difficult to sustain, isn't it? It takes a lot of planning to be able to correct. get them in the zone and maintain that or I don't know, is it aura environment, <laughs> that, that mind space? Yes, yes. It takes a lot of work. It seems like everything is perfect when you enter when the sub enters enters the room, but there's actually a lot of prep work that goes behind to mm. make sure this happens, you know, the subspace happens and constant tension is maintained. You mentioned earlier that um, a lot of clients would tend to be people who work in high power positions or in very high stress jobs. Is that a pattern that you see? It's uh, not 100% true as well. We have also students that come to us. Mm. Um, we also have people who are pretty young. Mm. They are still exploring themselves. They want to know more. They often don't have like high paying jobs, but they would like to explore. Mm. So th there's quite a huge spectrum, I would say. Got it. But I would say there's more um, more stable or older men, mm. older submissives coming to us because they are more stable and they are also more um, experienced in their personal life as well. So they might want to try more as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, you know, Especially I think the point of being more experience or having seen more in life and yeah. having the that appetite to actually explore. Correct. In general, like what is the actual would you have estimate of like what is the the cost that of what you guys put into something like that? The cost. Because I I can imagine that it's gotta be um, high, isn't it? If I you guess, put in your man hours and all that. I guess the when it comes to toys like uh we procured like equipments and toys over the years, like gradually. So it's not like a one-time purchase. Mm. And at the same time, we enjoy having these toys as well. So we don't find it a chore, you see. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> but all that thought and planning, because yes. it's like, it's almost as if you guys are actually handling, um, you know, a few roles, right? Yeah. It's like, for example, a therapist would need to go through the mental, emotional aspect. But then the logistical planning sometimes is handled by someone else. But you guys are kind of like doing everything at one time, which I find very admirable. Thank you. Um, yeah, we uh, it's, it's something we enjoy. So I think we, we still quite like it. And we, we just have to put extra time prior to it to make sure everything goes smoothly. Mm. At the same time, Prodom work really empowers me as well. Yeah, being, you know, debunking these societal norms and gender reversal roles. Mm -hmm. um, I feel that there's no more, no such thing as who is better than the other anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I feel that this job empowers me and I enjoy it that way. And I, I love that, right? Because you are able to have something that you do that is empowering for yourself and it actually helps other people as well. Mm. right and I kind of think that you know not everyone actually has the luxury of that because there is that shift where let's say boomers have always been focused on putting food on the table ensuring bills are paid and I guess for our generation you know we sort of have that additional luxury 
of not just being able to earn our own keep, you know, um, mm-hmm. paying for bills and all, you know, like surviving, but being able to do work that we find meaningful and empowering. Mm. I think that's a great thing and it's something that, you know, everyone should actually look to do in their lives, right? Because it's not just about having a job and like going home and thinking about what might have been if I did something else, right? But being able to explore different different avenues. Yeah, I think this is the new generation trend, isn't it? Like mm. people don't really work for the money anymore. Like I all, honestly, I have a lot of friends in doing their own businesses and it's so hard to hire someone even if they give them a good salary, you know, mm. that people... Nowadays, the generation, I, it's good that we are more opinionated. <laughs> in a sense, like we, we are... We like to do what we love mm. and we find... Money is no longer the f- number one drive anymore. It's the passion, what we find meaningful, mm. what makes us wake up excited for the day in the morning. Mm. Mm. So this kind of things, um, I th- I do think that we are blessed. We are very blessed to be able to um, have this kind of options to to pursue what we, we, we like and what we love. Do you think any of your previous career actually prepared you for that? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Now, moving on, I guess this is a question that always comes to my mind. How lucrative is being a dominatrix in Singapore? Um, I guess it depends on how much time we put in it because Mm. this is a time-related job. For me personally, most of my income comes from my main job. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I do ProDom is not really for the money, it's more for the passion because I always believe that you should always have more than one mainstream of income. Yeah. So this is just another stream of income and it will be even better if the stream of income is something you enjoy and passionate about. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right because in my gerontological studies and even speaking to, let's say, people who are in hospice and hospice is usually end of life, I always find it very fascinating to hear about, let's say, regrets that people might have mm. or, you know, what would they have done with their life? And the things about regrets are actually rarely about money. I agree. Right? It's a lot about, I wish I did this when I was younger. The main limiting factor is really the time. And if anything, money is just that enabler for people to do certain things in their lifetime. Yes, I always believe that you shouldn't do something just for the money because mm. you're going to burn out, definitely. No matter what you do, whatever job you do, um, it's going to be difficult, very, very difficult. Mm. Every trade is going to be so tough that you need a huge amount of passion to actually push through it Mm. to get the kind of results or financial stability that you want. So I feel, I believe personally anyways, that I I think you should always follow your passion first. Mm -hmm. Of course, find a passion, find a way to get some income from it. Mm. I think you'll be happier that way and you can sustain longer as well. Mm. That is very true. And sort of to end off today's show, I often finish with a series of quickfire questions. So the first one Mm -hmm. is, what is the most expensive thing that you have bought that you do regret? Expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Highest price item. So maybe I can give you some examples. For me, like speaking from personal experience, and especially given 
that my Louboutins yesterday just crumbled on me, like the base oh, of the heel. I know, right? It's just Christian insane. Christian Dior as well. All the luxury stocks went... <laughs> oh yeah, but then mine was at the actual shoes. Oh, your like, shoes? My Louboutins like died on me. Then I'm like, no, oh. this this pair of shoes was like, expensive. And then I was just wondering, it's a like, huge waste of money. That's an example of right. what I would say. Like, an expensive um, purchase that I regretted. Um, then personally, I guess it's skincare. <laughs> is it? Okay, don't get me wrong. Skincare <laughs> is very important. Mm. Um, taking care of your skin, your health, your body is very, very important. Mm. But I used to... I'm a gold Sephora member, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Wait, how much? I feel like I spend way too much on skincare, which is not required. <laughs> how much do you need to spend to get to a goal level? I think 1005 per year or something. Okay, that's 100 yeah. plus a month. But... I feel that, but that's I don't just buy skincare from Sephora. You see, mm. yeah. So I I used to struggle a lot with skin issues. Mm-hmm. I have I used to suffer from acne, mm. um, but I didn't really seek proper dermatologist treatment, and I right. went to buy like a lot of very expensive skincare, mm-hmm. which I feel that shouldn't be the way. Like actually, skincare is very simple. Mm. Your skin is intelligent. You don't need you don't need all that. Mm. Yeah, if you have a problem with your skin, just go and see a dermatologist. Right. Yeah, don't try to self-treat. I guess that's like one of my regrets. All right, second question. What is the most expensive thing that you have bought that you do not regret? The stocks count. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Definitely stocks then. Oh, that's um, good. But... I'm hoping to make my next purchase, uh, property purchase soon. Mm. I would say purchase. I would say property, but not yet. Mm. So I guess stocks. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay. Third question is, um, what is the lowest amount of money you've had in the bank from the age of twenty one? I think the lowest was maybe I when I bought my dog. I mm. was in between jobs. I probably had about. 3,000 left or something mm. which is extremely low for me already and mm. but I, I knew I was gonna get my salary in next month as well and mm. I really love dogs so I just took the plunge and did it and on hindsight you don't regret that I never regretted mm. it yeah alright fourth question is what is the best money advice that you've gotten uh, I think it's a few number one is save when you're very young mm invest and diversify your portfolios have more than one source of income Mm. always explore your current job and ask yourself if you can do something do it better Mm. if you can leverage on it to earn more or you can do something um, that you're passionate about and leverage on that as well Mm. yeah and for the last question if you had 10 million dollars in a bank today would you live your life any different I guess I will. Slightly different. I would use part of it to invest and grow my businesses. And part of it, of course, I'll, I would like to give back to the society for a cause that is meaningful to me. Mm. And with that, we've come to the end of today's show. Thank you very, so very much for being on the show with me today. Thanks, Jonas. Thanks for having me. I Thank had a great you so time. much because I learned a lot from you and hopefully we did some good work in terms of debunking myths for the BDSM scene in Singapore. I, yes, I hope so. We hope to continue to um, educate the main society mm. to, you know, it's not it's not that simple. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. And for our audience who wants to find out more, where can they find you? 
Um, they can find us on our website. They can also find us on Twitter. We are mainly there. Mm. Our website is www.singapore-bdsm.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on my Twitter. Mm. Uh, we have a co-op Twitter as well. But my personal Twitter is yes, Mistress Vera. Mm-hmm. That's V E R A. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my Twitter handle. You can find me there. Got it. Mm. And I'll link it in the description as well. Sure. <laughs> And with that, that's Vera and Junus, and we'll see you the next time. See you. Many thanks as well to all of you out there for tuning in. This has been a fantastic conversation, and we would definitely love to hear what you think about it. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us through the email podcast at nelisten.sg or at my Instagram at misfitfi. Aside from that, if you enjoy what you're listening to and want to hear more, please help to spread and grow the show by subscribing on Me Listen or Apple Podcasts or by following on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Finally, the Building Financial Fitness Podcast is an original production from MediaCorp and recorded at Scape Live Studios, The Pod, powered by Audio-Technica and City Music. Episode production is done by Junus Yu with editing and support by Danny Cordy and Gareth Fernandez. Once again, I'm your host and BFF, Junus Yu. Until the next time. <laughs>